Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Let's talk about tact and tactfulness. There is nothing worse than being a PK. If you are a PK, then you know this with empathy and sympathy and all the above. But if you're not a PK, but you know what a PK is, you can understand how they may feel. A PK is a preacher's kid. And um, preacher's kid and preacher's children um, sometimes get labels from from parents, uh, other parents, other kids. They're out, they're oddballed, they're they're whatever. They're they're put outside the camp, if you will. Uh, not just PKs, but PWs, preacher wives. And uh, I want to talk about tact, and and speaking about your family in the pulpit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me get this uh, this tumor out of my throat. Honor your spouse and your family in the pulpit. That's the main point uh, of this first point. It's the point of the point. Anyway. Uh, as, I, as I said, First Peter 3 and verse 7, show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Don't use your spouse or your children um, and their weaknesses and downfalls as material for an illustration. This should go without saying, but, but I hear this very thing happening. Uh, the preacher hesitates for a moment. Uh, and his conscience says, no, DEFCON 4, don't go there. She's looking at you. You're going to die. You're in the doghouse. Don't go there. And then he continues, and he says, well, my wife is going to kill me for telling you this, but uh, occasionally she struggles with fill in the blank. And the other day when I came home from worship, and he just continues to, to dig his own grave and just throw up everywhere. And there sits that poor old preacher's wife sinking down into her pew. She's already isolated, uh, even if it's just in thought or just a little bit, or she feels isolated, and now you have thrown her under the bus. And uh, bless her heart. Bless her heart. Her face has turned red. Her her toenails have grown six inches. She's died a little inside. Uh, it's just it's pitiful. Do not do this. Preachers, do not do this. We are to be role models, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12, and we're to be role models to the men in the church in how to love, Ephesians 5, 25, and honor our wives, that's a big word, honor our wives as Christ loves the church. I never read anywhere in Scripture where Jesus publicly is displaying the sins of his followers for the sake of an illustration. Now, why? Because love covers a multitude of sins, First Peter 4 eight, And you hear the old fellow talk about at work, uh, and I've even heard guys who've been married for two or three years use this term, and I'm thinking, that, I, don't think you, I don't think that means what you think it means. And they'll say, my old lady, or the old, the old lady of mine, or that old gal, and, and it's like, she's, she's 27, how is she the old lady? And that's just like slang of a term that, that is derogatory toward the spouse, and, and a a not honorable name. I mean, you're calling her some old hag, and uh, my old lady is this, and my old lady is that, and it's and it's bad enough <clears throat> at there. But then people go a, a little further, and they talk about how of a nag she is. Well, if you would get your stinking boots out of the floor and put them where they go, put them outside where the dogs can lick them clean, uh, then then she wouldn't have to, you know, light six candles in the house to keep the smell down. So I hear people talk like that, and. 
And if there is anybody in God's house who should be the leader in honoring her, especially verbally in front of people, it should be the preacher. Surely, surely. It should be the Christian male. Um, but if you desire uh, to be the husband, to, to, to love your wife, to teach your wife, to honor your wife, then you've got to model for them. Um, if you want them to be that, if you want them to engage in family worship, if you want them to change their vernacular from my old lady uh, to to my crown or my, my jewel or whatever fill-in-the-blank that she needs to be in your life, uh, when, when she's called the weaker vessel, it doesn't mean that she's physically weak. He's not talking about that. In most cases, she is. Um, she may be weaker than you physically or emotionally or whatever, but in regards to that word, the weaker vessel is in terms of like fine china. She's precious. She's precious. So don't dog her out in front of God and everybody in the pulpit. You're, that's not your job. That's not your job up there. You're disgracing God's pulpit by disgracing your wife. So the same goes for your children. So few youth <laughs> survive uh, the transitional challenges of growing up in a church and then going from high school ministry to attending uh, you know, worship in the in in the the uh, in the college arena and and going there and and you know transitioning to young professionals and finding new jobs and all the don't don't put obstacles in in your kids' ways. And if you're thinking about your kids and your local work and your kids continue to stay at, at your your home congregation, they they get out of school and they go right into the work field. Don't don't put an obstacle in their way by telling the congregation of their struggles, of their weaknesses. Uh, what what child of a preacher is going to want to hang out uh, with a bunch of old people who have heard all about the sins of your youth, uh, of their youth? N nobody, nobody would. So don't don't air out dirty laundry. If you're going to cast somebody in a bad light for the sake of illustration or humor, uh, make sure that person goes nameless or that leading character is Y-O-U. So not only your family, your family's sake, but also let's talk about humor, using humor wisely. I heard one preacher say one time, if y'all get off your hip, and this is, I about, about walked out of the room when he said this. I felt so bad for the church. He said, y'all don't pay me to tell jokes. He said, um, he said if y'all get off your hip, maybe pay me a little more, I'd use a little humor in my sermons, and I wouldn't be so dry. And I thought, somebody please Somebody please remove this man. Anyway, just just old, burnt, bitter man. Um, but but on the other end of extreme, humor, using it wisely. God God loves humor. God God invented humor. Um, but using it wisely in regards to proclamation. Last week we talked about our preaching being persuasive. If you're up there telling jokes the whole time, you're losing the effectiveness of the severity of their sin. Charles Spurgeon said, If by a laugh I can make men see the folly of an error better than in any other way, they shall laugh. I personally love to laugh. I love to laugh every day. Me and my little boy laugh every single day that we get a chance. I enjoy making people laugh. Growing up, my daddy was always the joke teller at the, at the holiday parties, at the family get-togethers, always cracking folks. And you're probably the same way. You love to laugh. I trust you are. Surely you are. You're not you know, flat-mouthed and just old and bitter. Uh, I, I know some very humorous, older, wiser individuals. But a strong case can be made that Jesus made people laugh. Um, Matthew 7, verse 3, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but, but do not notice the log that is in your own, own eye? Now, 
that that may be one of those uh, it's funny because it's true statements. Um, somebody probably got a chuckle out of that. Uh, I, I have found humor in things that was a truth, but a bold truth, and it was funny because it was true. Even though that people are being confronted with heart penetrating truth, there can be there can be something humorous about it. Not not irreverent humor, but a wow, yeah. Uh, the psalmist even said, "The Lord laughs. The Lord laughs at people who think that they can uh, thwart His purpose." So I believe there is a, a place for humor as we teach and as we preach. God created laughter. Uh, a joyful heart is good medicine. Proverbs seventeen twenty two. But be careful that your humor is relevant and that it's helpful and that it is God-honoring, 1 Corinthians 10.31. So let me give you some wise words of counsel uh, in using humor. Number one, don't feel like you need to start every sermon with a joke or some sort of funny story. For whatever reason, this has become very popular in, in church services in America, in a lot of places, preachers, they... they They've been influenced by people like Dave Letterman or, you know, Jimmy Fallon or, or comedians or whatever. Um, the, those shows are based on humorous monologue and, and just ovation and applause. And uh, one person that I find stupidly funny, uh, crude, but stupidly funny, is Conan O'Brien. There's just something about him that's hilarious to me. But it, when it comes to doing something like like that in worship and in, in church to kick off a sermon. Uh, I'm going to side with Warren Wearsby on here. He said, It is a mystery to us why some preachers think they must always tell a joke before they read their text and preach the message. When there is a hostile audience or an atmosphere of tension, perhaps a bit of humor can help to change that atmosphere. But certainly this is an exception. Can you imagine Peter telling a joke before he preached at Pentecost or Paul in, entertaining the philosophers on Mars Hill? It's pretty hard to imagine Peter or Paul doing that. And that should cause all of us who teach and preach God's Word faithfully to prayerfully consider whether we should or should not do it. And if so, how often? Emil Turner points out, or Turner rather, points out, humor is not necessary to put a congregation at ease. We use it to put ourselves at ease. But your call, your preparation, the sense of God's presence, your prayer life, these things give you a true sense of ease in your preaching. And that's true. It's not just a sense. It's a biblical truth. Matthew chapter 18, where you have where one or two are gathered in my name, there I am with them. A lot of folks will say, well, see, I can go out there in the boat and fish, and I can be out there, and I can do this and that. And You know, if there's two Christians together in the worship service, then, then God's with us. Now, is it true? Yeah, God's with us. But in its context, let's keep things in its context, Matthew 18, he's not talking about going out in a boat or being in a church building or a house, and there's two Christians there. He's talking about his governing, God-given authority to people to go to brothers and sisters in sin and withdraw from them and exercise that area of discipline. So that that's very true in and to think about God's presence is with us and that gives us a sense of validity to what we're doing, but ultimately that should put you at ease. When Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, first and second epistle that we have, um, you hear him saying things like, I I'm not worried about what you think of me. Uh, my approval comes from God. It's it's not from you, and it's not from 
you know, Second Corinthians, it's not these super chief apostles as they're calling themselves. My approval comes from God. Uh, and, and how you judge me, I don't care. And even I judge myself. I even, I don't even, I don't even think to judge myself on a regular basis because as long as I know that I'm faithful to God, that's all that matters. So sometimes we use humor because we feel shaky. Well, maybe I don't need to use humor. Maybe I need to understand, Jake, you're, you are in the presence of God. You're preaching his Holy Spirit's truth. Um, and he is, he has washed you in the blood of his son what what can a person do to you? And so humor is not needed there, but a sure standing affirmation that God is with me. So, um, number two, be careful to avoid humor that insults or ridicules. This has happened to me. I've done it before, accidentally, but it happens. When I, I'm a more jovial person, and humor is something that I will tend to drift to, my time in law enforcement, I saw some horrible things. And there's just a way of coping, a way... A mechanism of laughter that it's not disrespectful, but it's almost as though that you have to laugh in order to get through the situation. So I can tend to um, be sarcastic, or, or I can tend to to bring up something that's funny when other persons are not in that spirit. They're not in that 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 uh, that little season of, of laughter. They they need to grieve it in a different way. So I, I have to be careful. So I want to stress to you, number two, be careful to avoid humor that insults or ridicules. Um, maybe you. Let's think about um, God's existence, and uh, let's say that you begin with a joke, um, and it goes something like this. An elementary school teacher explained to a class of young children that uh, she was an atheist. She asked her class if they were atheists too, not really knowing what atheism was, but wanting to be like their teacher, their hands went flying into the air. There was, however, one exception. A girl named Lucy had not gone along with the crowd. The teacher asked her why she decided to be different. And Lucy said, because I'm not an atheist. And the teacher then asked, well, what are you, Lucy? And she said, I'm a Christian. She asked Lucy why she was a Christian. She said, well, I was brought up knowing and loving Jesus. My mom is a Christian and my dad is a Christian, so I'm a Christian. The teacher angrily said, that's no reason. What if your mom was a moron and your dad was a moron? What, what would you be then? Lucy paused and she thought about it and she said, then I'd be an atheist. <laughs> Lucy's probably picking herself up off the ground if she grew up in, a, in an earlier time. Lucy's response always received a, a thunderous laugh. That 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 should, that should. But it but it but it can. It can if we're not careful. When we are appeasing to one crowd, we forget the other one. Lucy's joke falls short of God's standard. In First Peter chapter three, verse eight and nine. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you are called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing so in that joke the teacher insults lucy and a proper god-honoring response by lucy as she is a professing christian would not be an it to, to insult the teacher for being an atheist or reviling her again and calling her a moron so although this story may draw a lot of laughter and 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 
and it, and it nicely fits into the topic of God's existence. Maybe we shouldn't use it. Number three, realize humor can um, erect obstacles to a person receiving the word. Looking back, you know, you think about that joke about Lucy, for instance, and you and you think the brotherhood, uh, the brotherhood atheist who who may have been in our midst. They're sitting there and they're listening to that, and to think now that an atheist is sitting there and they they come to you because they were interested in and they hear you telling a joke about atheists, and so that that should make you cringe with regret. My daddy and I were talking last week about the movie Magnificent Seven, and so Stone, my little boy, he's five and and he's into westerns right now, into cowboy movies, and that's just where his little heart is. Well, I introduced him to certain parts of the Magnificent Seven, the new movie, and, you know, the big shootouts and all this stuff, all the stuff he thinks is cool. And uh, we were talking about the old one, me and my daddy, and, and we were talking about um, Yul Briner and um, Steve McQueen and all those guys. And <clears throat> the um, the fella comes up, the, the Hispanic bandit comes up, and and he, he asks the question. He says, where am I going to get my food? For winter, where am I going to get water for my men and my horses? And, and of course, Jewel Briner says, um, solving your problem isn't our line, friend. And he says, well, what do you do? And Steve McQueen pops up and he says, we deal in lead, friend, meaning that they're, they're, they're sidearms, that they're, they're guns, they're paid guns, and that's what they deal in. You and I deal in words. It was actually one of the first chapel speeches that I used at the Memphis School of Preaching, that, that illustration that we deal in words. So we have to be careful with our words. It can it can harm if I'm sitting there with a person who is an atheist and they've come to listen and I've just ripped them a big joke and called them a moron. I have not dealt uh, fanciful with my words. Jokes often come at the expense of an individual or a particular group of people, short people, older people, women, uh, geeks, blondes, whatever, whatever, uh, dumb macho, uh, the dumb football player. And, and you and I may think that our joke is innocent, Jake. You may think that it's innocent and that people don't really, uh, that people, you know, understand the heart of what you're saying and that you uh, you really don't mean it and, and all those sorts of uh, things that we may say. And, and and a lot of folks will agree with you along those lines and a lot of folks will laugh and, and may, have that, may have that mindset in their mind. But the laughs that you get from the jokes that call attention to a certain type of people will often cause the people from that group in your congregation to have a challenging time listening to any word that you say after that. So is that what we want? No. Do we want to put up obstacles to the Word of God in doing so? No. No. Second Corinthians 6 and verse 3, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Paul was specifically in chapter 8 and chapter 9 uh, talking about the contribution and 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 how he was so transparent with that with the physical money and the tra- and and the the transaction and and the giving he wanted there to be no no problems and he didn't want to charge the Corinthians for anything and and, and he said did I make a mistake by doing that you know I, I was trying to be good to you and these chief apostles are charging you and you're receiving them but you're refusing me so so did I make a mistake so. Anyway, we want to be transparent. We don't want to put any obstacles in front of anybody's way, and sometimes jokes can become a stumbling block. Um, it's 2022, and the Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship. And so if I throw that around in the pulpit, there may be some radical, well, 
average Alabama fan who is a radical and just loses their mind. Now, see, if you're a little bit of an Alabama fan or you are a, an extreme Alabama fan, uh, then, then you may think, well, Jake's an idiot. There may be just a, a 1% or 2% of you who, uh, a part of you who feels like um, that Jake's, um, that Jake's all of a sudden, I, don't, I no longer need to listen to anything that he has to say. So it can happen. If, if, we're, if we're honest, that can happen. Number three, put yourself in their shoes before you tell the joke. When considering whether or not to say something that is humorous, try and place yourself in the shoes of the person or group of who might be offended. With the atheist joke that we just told, maybe maybe we should ask ourselves, self, if we're visiting a lecture by an atheist on evidence for atheism, if there was if there was an evidence for atheism, and they started off a joke with how moronic Christians are, how would you feel? Well, that, that pretty much settles it. So ditch the joke. Jesus said in everything, therefore, treat people the same way that you want them to treat you. The golden rule, Matthew seven twelve. Next, avoid getting laughs at family members' expense. As I said, wife and children, don't bring up their sins, but also don't 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 rip them either. A long time after your congregation has forgotten your sermon, which you yourself have forgotten, uh, your family members will remember being the source of laughter. Your wife might be strong enough to handle the the lampooning, but let me tell you, your children are not. Okay, they are vulnerable. They are being molded. It is foundational, and if Dad rips them in front of the church, um, that that's not going to be good for them. Don't sacrifice them on comedy's altar for the sake of a laugh. If you do this on an ongoing basis, you can you can count bet to farm uh, that your kids are going to leave the church when they are old enough and go somewhere else because they were not taken serious. Their relationship to God was mocked. Uh, they were the source of laughter. You sacrificed them to make yourself look better and your sermon more appetizing. Shame on you if you've done that. Shame on you. Now, with that said, the best humor is self-depreciating. People enjoy hearing a teacher tell of an embarrassing moment or of being caught in an uncomfortable circumstance. So may the Lord be very careful in giving us wisdom uh, the Lord is careful, but but may you be careful, and may may God give you this wisdom when it comes to being humorous in the pulpit. May God bless you in your preaching and teaching, and if it's the case that you have, um, let me go old school here and offer an invitation, and as we sing Just As I Am, and as you stand and listen to this podcast, um, if you have done that, it, it would be very good, and it would behoove me if I made a mockery of somebody in the pulpit and I used them at the expense of my joke, it would do me a whole lot of good to call that person as soon as this podcast is over, as soon as this hits stop, and uh, call them or go to them and say, I shouldn't have done that. Remember that joke I told two years ago? Um, I've learned better. I, I, I did not want to do that to you. And chances are they're going to say, oh, honey, it was okay. No problem. No big deal. But there may be some people out there who aren't faithful because you ripped them from the pulpit. Uh, or you, 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 um, your relationship with your wife is, is, is a little smeared because you, you said something up there that you weren't supposed to say, and it hurt her. T- tell her that you're sorry. Tell her you didn't understand. Uh, I trust you have, but if you haven't, uh, go and make things right with people if you use them as humorous, um, if you sacrifice them for your sermon. Um, we just need to be careful. need to be real careful. God's people 
are good people. And I don't want to ruin that. I don't want to put an obstacle in people's way, and, and I want to apologize. Um, be upfront with people. Be transparent with people. And, and, it, and it goes well when an elder uh, or, or the preacher, somebody who's teaching a class, um, shows some vulnerability and repents. And, uh, you know, if it's the case that you did it publicly, uh, it, would, it would do the church very well and good to see you respond that way. Uh, I cut a joke, and I... I feel like that's that was rude and uncalled for, and I and I want to apologize for that. Um, that that would be good. So may God may God bless you in the preaching and teaching of His Word, and uh, be balanced and wise in your humor, and uh, don't make your family the butt of your jokes or air out their their struggles. May God be with you.